Becky. And this is Claire. Wow, oh my God, you implemented it. You remember I know, it. I know. Aren't oh, you proud? I'm so proud. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it works both ways, I think. Like one of them encapsulates our differences in personality and the other one is just like a nice little vibe. Maybe I will switch it off and uh, I'll, I'll become Claire for the week. But uh, we'll sure. See. I mean, this is probably the only time I'll remember to do it this way. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, there you go. Okay, I appreciate the thought, Bo. Welcome to another episode of Podway. Woo! So in this podcast, we discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the Book of Mormon. All right. So the musical follows two young missionaries from the Church of Latter-day Saints as they go on their mission to Uganda in an attempt to convert the locals to their church and also the challenges they're facing in their new environment. Let's talk a little bit about the musical, its history. Uh, The musical premiered on Broadway, which surprised me. Like, usually what I see when I look in the background of a musical, I see that it premieres in Chicago or in in another, like, lesser known venue, maybe has been workshopped excessively, stuff like that. Not in this case, didn't even go off Broadway, straight to Broadway in 2011 to positive reviews. It was developed by the creators of South Park, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stones, and they collaborated with Robert Lopez, who we've already uh, been acquainted with because he created Avenue Q. The show was one of the top five highest grossing shows on Broadway in their first year premiering, another huge, huge thing. And it got nominated for 14 Tony Awards wow. and won nine of them, including the top three for musical, book, and score. Again, massive, massive success. It received two U.S. tours and debuted in the U.K., Scandinavia, Germany, and Switzerland. And also the cast album. We previously discussed about cast albums that won a Grammy. This didn't happen, but it was really, really successful. And at its height, it reached number three on the Billboard Top 200 charts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously we're talking about a huge phenomenon. I'm excited to to discuss it further. What's your background like with Book of Mormon? I don't really know anything, to be honest. I think it was in Toronto in 2019. Mm-hmm. I didn't go see it though, but I saw the poster because from the station on my way to work um so like I take this streetcar and it passes by the the theater and you just see this gigantic poster whenever you're on the bus so I saw the poster I thought it looks interesting but you know I literally just started working in like beginning of 2019 so I wasn't really exactly in a position to spend money like not to mention like pretty crazy money on tickets at the time I didn't know that there was rush tickets so thank you Becky for introducing me to that I feel kind of stupid not knowing it exists before but whatever but yeah so I didn't really get to see it and I didn't really I guess put into effort to trying to figure out what that is I just saw the poster and, and thought that it was big because it's a name that kind of just looks familiar. I don't know exactly where I saw it before, but it kind of just rings a bell, you know, like you kind of recognize it as you see it, but I have no idea what it is about. I know very little of um, like Mormons in general, so mm-hmm. I didn't even make the connection until much later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is pretty crazy because how obvious can it be, right? I know, right? Yeah. Um, How about you? I had no familiarity at all with the concept of Mormonism, except if I remember correctly, I think if you follow U.S. presidential elections, Mitt Romney, who ran against Barack Obama, um, is a Mormon. 
if I remember correctly. So I think that's the only piece of knowledge about Mormonism that I know besides this musical. In terms of the Book of Mormon itself, I would attribute my familiarity with it to my first musical theater stage in which I consumed the entirety of the cast album, which I think just came out at the time. If you are in the musical theater space, especially during that time, you would hear a lot of people talk about it constantly. It's a very, very successful show. One of those modern classics that people refer to quite a bit. So I was familiar with it for a while, let's say. In 2019, even though I saw it working after you, I actually went to see it and I took my sister to see it as well. Very foolish idea, but I wanted to introduce Emma to as many like theater shows and I like going with people and discussing things afterwards. So uh, I took her in 2019. She did not have a good time, actually, because this is not her kind of humor. I also was a little bit scandalized, I think, by the type of humor because obviously I was really used to the songs and I knew everything that is relating to the song and for the majority of the part it follows what it what the songs are on stage so it shouldn't be that much of a shock but seeing the visuals going hand in hand with the songs I think is what unnerved me a little bit but I still had a great time I mind that type of humor a little bit like less than her so I was able to be a little bit more open-minded about it the the production itself was fantastic a very very good performance after that I haven't really revisited it much that is to say I am very very familiar with the songs and I've also watched it live before okay wow I guess I'm not that surprised but just unfortunate that Emma didn't enjoy it as much yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. I actually, when I think about it in retrospect, I'm not surprised. This is really not, she's not a fan of this kind of humor. I, I should have seen it coming, but uh, the songs, in my opinion, were good enough. And sometimes, if the songs are good, you would be swayed to have that kind of humor, like with mm-hmm. Heather's, which can be very off colored, like it can incorporate a lot of off color jokes. And she still liked Heather quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think I thought about it all the way through, but sometimes when you have like really, really big productions, you just want to see them anyway, just to have the experience. Mm-hmm. So I think this is all regarding our background with this. So should we dive into the in-depth summary? Sure. Okay, so... The musical opens with a young group of Mormon missionaries still in training, going door to door to preach the religion and proselytize the residents. Upon their graduation from the missionary training, the young men will be sent all over the world for two years to try and proselytize internationally. They're divided into teams of two, and our two leads, Kevin Price, let's describe him a little bit. He is ambitious, he's very by the book, he's devout, and he's kind of like the star student of their group. This is the one member of the team, and the other person is Arnold Cunningham, and he is very much the struggler of the group. He has poor social skills, loose understanding of Mormonism, and also tendencies to make things up again, which will be very relevant to the story. The two are paired up and sent to Uganda, much to the disappointment of Kevin, who was hoping to go to Orlando, which is his most favorite place in the whole entire world. Kevin is also underwhelmed by his chosen partner, but takes it as an opportunity to be the unequivocal star of the show. The two arrive in Uganda and immediately have their luggage stolen by one of the general... Well, technically it wasn't stolen. It was like literally just taken away from them. That is, that is stealing, I don't know. <laughs> 
Unless there's a new definition of stealing I'm not familiar with. Oh, I thought it was closer to like robbing, but okay. Oh yeah, robbing is definitely a better way to to put it for sure. To introduce the general, this is not the general himself. This is one of his goons. His name is General But Fucking Naked. Just for that, I think if we had some kind of like censor, not censorship, but certifications on the podcast, it would go to the rated M. We're going to drop the F-bombs more than three times just based on his name. And that general is terrorizing the region. They then meet the villagers. They're supposed to convert, starting with their leader, Hatimbi, and his daughter, Nebulongi. Again, sorry for mispronouncing the names. It's usually when I'm mispronouncing stuff, it's French. Um, Hatimbi introduces them all to their existential hardships in the village, such as having AIDS, female genital mutilations, and also war and famine through a local saying in their village, Hasadiga Ibawai, meaning fuck you God. The two young Mormons realize they have their work cut out for them, and as they go to their quarters to meet the rest of the missionaries in the area, they are squared by Nebulongi, who tells them to beware of a whole host of things that could be threatening to them in the region. The missionaries confess that they haven't been able to convert a single person so far, and they've been there for months. And Kevin is having second thoughts about the mission and is really worried he angered the church, and that's why they sent him there, kind of as punishment. But Arnold told him to think about it in a different way. He reassures him that they sent him there so he can prove himself and also so he can win all the glory because everybody before him failed. He also calls Kevin his best friend in a very sweet scene. Kevin tries to tell the villagers about the history of Mormonism and the story of Joseph Smith, the all-American prophet, but apart from Nebulongi, none of them seem interested at all in Mormonism and in the stories. At the same time, General Buttfucking Naked comes to the village to terrorize the residents. He threatens that he will kill the entire village, or at least the people who are related to women, unless they all get circumcised. Hatimbi orders Nebulongi to stay inside at all times, but she disobeys him and is hopeful that Kevin and Arnold can save the village through Mormonism by taking them to Salt Lake City. The missionaries hear that church officials are requesting a progress report, which causes pretty much a general freakout among the group. The most affected person by far is Kevin, who decides to abandon the mission altogether and request a transfer to Orlando. And Arnold, who cites the rules that mission companions need to stay together at all times, chases after him to make sure that they don't leave each other. Kevin, however, isn't really having any of it, and he abandons him both as a friend and a companion in a very harsh way. I just want to ask a question. Yeah. So I didn't watch the version you provide because I watched it on Sunday. And okay. I think you posted the link on Monday. So I watched the 2012 version okay. in Chicago. And in that version, the reason why um, Kevin was abandoning the mission was because somebody was shot right in front of him. I don't know if it's the same in your version, though. So I don't believe somebody was shot right in front of him. Somebody was shot but I don't think it was in front of him. Okay, because I think the general came when um, both Kevin and Cunningham, I can't remember his first name actually for some reason, was were, were both there. Yeah, yes. Um, and <laughs> one of the villagers were was defending his wife and the general just shot him. And that's why like his, um, on Kevin's shore, there was even like blood and stuff. And that's why he panicked and ran back. And he was like, I'm, I'm going to leave because I don't want to stay here. Mm. So I thought that it makes sense that he want to drop out. 
but I don't know if that was made clear or that was the same in other versions as well. It might be the same, but it wasn't made as clear. Like, I don't think that there was any blood splattering on his shirt or anything like that. There, the shooting scene definitely happened. It's mainly to make sure that everybody realizes how much of a threat the general is. Mm, okay. Yeah, but I don't recall if they even witnessed this. I think the main thing that it seemed to me that uh, really agitated Kevin was the fact that the church officials are coming and he's been such a star student all along. And now he will be dishonored because he wasn't able to do the mission that he wanted to do or he needed Mm. to do. Okay, I guess both make sense. It's just, I personally think Kevin is a little bit more likable if he wanted to drop up because that he witnessed somebody getting shot. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it could be that yours is the right way. And I just don't remember because the video quality for the one that I posted was not very good. And 2019 when I stayed live was was a long ago. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. But thank you for, for mentioning that because it's definitely not something I included here just because it's not something I noticed in my version. So after Kevin leaves, Nebulongi comes looking for him. She got the entire village to give them another shot at explaining their religion in kind of like a last ditch hope to make things better. Um, So since Kevin isn't there, it's up to Arnold to lead the meeting and make the case for Mormonism. And act one ends with Arnold deciding to give it his all and rise to the occasion. Act two opens with Arnold trying to teach the villagers the scripture of Mormonism and the villagers point out that it's not relevant to their way of life at all pretty much. And they challenge Arnold by saying like, Actions such as, for example, raping babies have not been condemned by the book. And as a result, this causes Arnold to make up details, which we have learned is a quirk of his, that are relevant to their way of life and morality to appeal to them. And surprise, surprise, that strategy works exceptionally well. Who would have thunk that appealing to people using a similar common language they understand would make them potentially change their mind? Did you think that that's possible? I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> I particularly was uh, really fond of his reference to Lord of the Ring, though. I thought it was really funny. Right? It was like, yeah, you should burn in the fire of Mordor. Fire and I was like, yes, Mordor. <laughs> this is exactly what we need. Thank yeah. you. And they also mentioned like Boba Fett. And I think they constantly reference like Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can see the people in that era are very fond of geek culture oh he is a big fan of star wars i think in the song mang up like yeah. he did he made a lot of jokes about well maybe not a lot but he made some jokes about that as well yeah and i thought it was really <laughs> funny even though i had no idea well i had we very little any, knowledge we wars. have all the star wars cred we need that was it that was it <laughs> I don't get what the father thing is, but it's okay. But yeah, meanwhile, after his Arnold's incredible success, Kevin has a nightmare about being sent to spooky Mormon hell due to breaking the rules and leaving his mission companion. Upon waking up, he returns to Arnold just as he delivers the good news of the villagers being interested in the church and being willing to convert. The other missionaries say no one will actually go ahead and convert because of the general, and Kevin decides to deal with him to prove himself. And if what you're saying is true and it's really well incorporated that um, he was spoken by the general himself, I think that's incredibly brave of him after seeing the general shooting somebody in the face. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go well for Kevin because he ends up as 
the doctor's office with the Book of Mormon shoved up his ass, questioning his faith, and also the general butt-fucking naked, vowing he will kill the whole village. Meanwhile, the villagers, starting with Nibulongi, get baptized. Upon hearing the missionary's success, high-level members of the church come to observe them in Uganda, and the villagers put on a play for them to showcase their studies about Mormon history and scripture, which includes, of course, all the made-up details that Arnold inserted to appeal to them. The church officials are appalled and request to speak to the missionaries privately, but Nambulangi, who came to give a printed copy of the play, hears the church's harsh critique and realizes that the church won't rescue her from her situation by taking her to Salt Lake City. The official disband the mission, requesting for all the missionaries to return to their families in the States. Due to Arnold's stories, Kevin is able to reconnect with his faith and he realizes where he went wrong. He needed to appeal to people differently in a way they can relate to rather than go by the letter of the book to change their minds. And that's when the general comes into the situation. So he comes obviously to circumcise the women, the women and due to her particular despair Nebulongi agrees and she submits to him revealing to everybody before that that the church won't come to rescue them and take them to Salt Lake City. The villagers respond that Salt Lake City is obviously a metaphor to get the point across and is not a place that actually exists and when they ask where Arnold is Nebulongi lies that lions ate him only for him to show up pretty much a few seconds later, seemingly resurrected. This, along with other made-up lies, spooked the general into submitting to Arnold, and the village was saved. The musical then ends with the new evolution of Mormonism spreading throughout Uganda through missionary work, spearheaded by Arnold and Kevin, but mostly Arnold. And that's how the musical ends. Yay! Yay! Okay. As I mentioned several times, I try to figure out whether you would be pro or against a musical. And with this one, I was pretty much very squarely in you would be against the musical. And I'm curious to see how right or wrong am I? Oh, Becky, you're so wrong about this. I absolutely <gasps> love the musical, actually. I cannot read you, Claire. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know uh, what happened after all these years. You probably don't know me as well as you think you do. I Anyways, know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I think it was so funny. Like, the jokes like, hit the right place. It was totally my type of humor, to be honest. I can see why people, um, such as Emma, I guess, would find it a little bit inappropriate and not to their liking. But to me, personally, it works super well. Yeah. I had no idea. I totally thought your humor aligns more with Emma's and you would be a little bit shocked even by the type of like crass humor because they have very suggestive jokes and stuff like that. And that wouldn't be to your taste and liking. So I'm so curious right now. Like I was so sure in my opinion. With Avita, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but I think it will be th this way. This one, I was like 95% sure. I told literally Emma and my brother when I was telling them we're doing Book of Mormon, oh, she's not going to like this at all. And I'm yeah. so wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're so wrong. And it's interesting because 
<laughs> I guess for those who don't know, when we decided to do Book, Book of Mormon, Becky was really hesitating. You're like giving me this, I'm oh, so I don't scared. know, attitude. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's really controversial um, and very subjective. People love it. People hate it. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. So I came in with this, like with like some expectation that I'm going to totally hate it but it just turns out to be exactly my type of humor so I didn't know what you're talking about I was like this is totally my thing and yeah I'm so glad that we did it to be honest oh my god I'm I'm so amazed I legitimately (laughs) was downselling it so much so you won't come in here and be like yeah one out of ten this is the worst thing I've ever seen because that's totally what I envisioned 100 percent yeah, I really want to see dive into it. So let's start maybe with the characters. Okay. So who is your do you have a favorite character in this case? I do not have okay. a favorite character. I feel like they're all very distinct and unique in terms of their personality. I love that the musical gives each of them not okay, maybe not like every single one of them, but like a fair amount of them a character arc and mm-hmm. some kind of development. So I think that was really neat because you know, sometimes when you have a lot of characters on the stage, it's just really hard um, to give them like equal amount of time. Yeah. Especially in this case, you technically have two main characters, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that they did a really good job in terms of like making sure each of them gets an arc and learn something to be like a better person by the end of it. So I thought it was really neat. Um, so, but I don't really have a favorite character, so to speak. Do you have one? I don't have a favorite character either. I'm just trying to see what is the appeal for you. So I have like an order in my mind of characters, themes, story, and songs, and trying to go one by one and see which one is the direct. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to gamble and start with characters. Um, Clearly that's not it, but I think that the characters, specifically the two main leads, are very well done. They're very well developed. Even some of the other characters, like Nabulongi, I think has like a really good arc. You see specific character traits. She's not just the stock love interest. She is like fallible because she's very naive. She's very determined a little bit too naive according to everybody else which might show her age or the fact that she was very overprotected and obviously I really think Arnold is a riot he's such a cute lovable person and also the whole theme around um Kevin is fantastic from start to finish so I think that characters are very strong specifically the main three the other ones are entertaining very entertaining but uh they don't necessarily have you know, character development. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, no, I feel like the combination of just having having somebody who's serious and having somebody who's like more chill and carefree Classic. works super, super well. It's like the wicked, you know, you have Alphaba and Glinda and it works. It's almost in the exactly the same way here. And I just love that. I absolutely love that. I also like the fact that I guess we're moving to maybe story a little bit, but I also like the fact that it didn't um do too much of a romance because you can definitely get that hint between Arnold and I can't pronounce her name. So I'm just gonna call her Nala. That's what she that's what Arnold called her in the in the musical, at least in the version I saw. I saw so, oh my yeah. god, it was really funny because he do you remember a very popular musical? to an acceptable degree I guess uh I guess okay in a very popular sequel they uh, didn't really remember Hermione's name so they kept mispronouncing it in different ways 
don't remember. remember that okay but that's what they they did it in the version i watched one of the things that he called her was neutrogena which is oh was i remember that yeah that's okay the so it happens my with version yours too. Well. yeah yeah and nutella too i thought it was really funny yes i i really love that he did that especially because it gave me such a very potter musical vibe <laughs> which came first um the very potter musical yeah yeah the very potter musical came first oh so, okay I was like, oh, okay. Obviously, I'm not saying they stole from them, but but I think it's just a, a very specific humor at the time. Not only the humor, but a lot of the themes were very, very topical for like very early 2010s, late 2000s. So I was transported back in time to that kind of like vibe. Yeah, you could you could see it. I never watched a single episode of South, South Park. Have you? No. Yeah, so I can't really comment about how similar this is to South Park at all. I definitely saw similarities to Avenue Q, but not mm-hmm. South Park because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think this is way better than Avenue Q, though. To oh be yeah, I, we 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 were uh, a little bit critical of Avenue Q. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> the having no puppet this show is definitely <laughs> already a win for me. I think that's another reason why I thought you wouldn't like it because Avenue Q has very crass humor as well. And I thought that was a big problem for you. Um, So obviously it's not the crass humor that was the issue. It might've been the puppet and the fact that- No, I enjoy the the humor even in like Avenue Q. I think sometimes Mm. it works okay. Mm -hmm. It's just the music, it was bad. Mm. And the fact that there was like the puppet show, I don't like, I don't like that too much, I think. (laughs) Are you scared of puppets or dolls? No. I mean, I don't like like dolls all that much, but it's not like I'm scared of them. Mm. And I just thought that by having puppets on the show, it just looks really childish. Yeah. Okay. I get what you mean. Okay. So the reason wasn't the humor. The reason was the the method in which the show was showcased. Okay. That makes more sense for sure. For sure. Um, When we're talking about the story though. So uh, what did you are there any specific elements that stood out to you within the story so kind of well, like going into the I think I was maybe. trying to say that I like that it didn't give the romance too much attention they mm. just kind of hinted on it which I think was more than enough really like it shouldn't be the focus of the show anyway so having that one song was more than enough like having to even just hint on something that could happen but without like you know really taking away the focus to be like oh there should be something like their relationship or whatever like nobody really cares about that so mm-hmm. I like that they did that I also like the fact that they tried to um incorporate a lot of the very serious issues underneath the comedy element that they have in the show so a lot of the songs but especially the song which is wait I see which one was that um it was like a solo from the oh uh, Salt Lake City oh yeah so plays Cot City okay there we go um (laughs) that was a very interesting song because it's funny at first or on the surface until you kind of like dig into what she was saying and she was singing all this stuff like all these wonderful dreams she has um about a place that's like being nice and friendly and all that and it's like literally the basic human need and she was singing it with a smile on her face and I don't know if you know the saying that the greatest comedy from come from like the greatest tragedy or something like that Hmm. um but it's it's just so true like the whole thing that makes up the funny component of this show 
comes from some kind of like a very tragic truth that is still happening in today. So I feel like this is the type of musical that just kind of like give you um a sense of what's happening in the world without being overly serious. So you can still walk away with a good laugh, but at the same time, it's not just there to be just funny and that's it, you know? So mm-hmm. that's what I like about it. I think the the way that I structure the story is just really well. And interestingly enough, I think Act One and Act Two, in my opinion, are equally good. I don't I didn't have a preference for one or the other, which is kind of rare because yeah. usually I think Act Two would have less um significant songs and sometimes things were a little bit rushed or they would skip some of the things in act two so in general we do see a lot of musicals with a weaker act two but in this one I thought it was done really really nicely so didn't really have a lot of critique in terms of the story there but what Mm -hmm. do you think I also enjoyed the story specifically the conclusion which surprised me quite a bit of not only did they decide to stay but specifically Kevin urges everybody to stay and to continue and complete their mission because that's the hugest character development that he can have along with taking a backstage when they have the closing number which is a reflection of hello which is the opening number so that was a huge pleasant surprise for me also the reversal of who is the main focus character because in the majority of act one it was Kevin while in the majority of act two I believe it's leaning more towards Arnold being the the focus or the star character so there is a very good balance between the two acts and a good mirroring of each other in several ways so both through the songs the characters and the story throughout both these acts that I think really make it work It's really interesting when you said that the greatest comedies come out of like the greatest tragedies because a huge criticism that I saw based on the Wikipedia for this page is that there is a lot of criticism from uh, people of color regarding the musical because it very much doesn't showcase them as having as much agency and it has like white savior tropes in the musical so this is not a criticism that I feel like I can comment on much but I wanted to say that it's probably something that we might want to add um any opinions on it like the do you think it's you notice it in the story at all is it something that made you feel uncomfortable at all if you did notice it I mean based on just how the story goes about a group of white people going to like an African village it, I am sure there will be critiques like that because on paper, it literally just looks like that. So it's hard not to make that sort of connection. And because I'm not part of the community, so I can't say whether I think that's valid or not. It's completely up to them. And I think whatever other people are feeling, that's totally legit and should be respected. But in terms of my own feelings or um I guess experience as I was watching it I didn't really feel like they were trying to downgrade um people of color in any way in the musical if anything I don't know if they made the same joke actually um in your version but I think at one point when Arnold was making stuff up he was saying that oh God didn't like a certain group of people and that's why he changed their skin color to yellow yeah they and, made the yeah <laughs> and then he's like oh yeah the Chinese is the problem I didn't really take that to heart I thought it was just a joke and yeah. I'm not saying that oh because I think it's a joke like other people should think of it as a joke too like if you're offended that's totally okay and legit and you're free to feel whatever you're feeling so I can't really say much to it. I just thought that for me, I didn't really 
see that coming probably because I'm not black I don't know yeah, yeah. I mean they also made like jokes about Jewish people too like oh you know you're in hell along with the Catholic and Jews so I didn't take that to heart either personally I know that because of the criticism the cast made a letter in 2020 and they said that the show needs to change because they're not willing to to play in it and they are doing rewrites in order to center the stories the story around them more rather than around the Mormons I don't know I I feel like Part of the reason why I think Book of Mormon was so interestingly different was because it's so not PC. Mm-hmm. And by being more PC, I don't know if I'll still see it the same way, like enjoying the same way. I think, yeah, it's it's just the world that we live in. It's a very sensitive place now. Yeah. And you have to take a lot of things into account in, ter- in terms of like how this will make other people feel. but from the way I see it it's just a show it's a it's supposed to be funny like I don't think it means to offend anybody in any harmful way so most of the time when I even see a joke that offend my own community I just think of it as a joke and yeah like I mean again you're entitled to whatever you're feeling but at the same time I think that is exactly what makes the show so unique and so special and so good for me personally Mm -hmm. so I don't know about their decision to like trying to rewrite the whole thing to make it more relevant maybe it'll just fall into the category of being another really PC work that today's media will present and if that's what makes people happy so be it I just will be feeling maybe a little bit sad and disappointed that we are losing another good show yeah yeah I can totally see what you're saying for sure I wonder I wonder how it will go how the rewrites will go and uh, whether they'll actually think about it like did people receive it well based on again only the Wikipedia article the Church of Latter-day Saints received it pretty well and they even advertise on the playbills quite frequently uh, Mm -hmm. for their church and try to like proselytize that way and apparently I read I tried to read some interviews about what they thought um, people within the Mormon community and they said that people don't like people are more receptive to hearing them when they knock on their door because of the musical so obviously some good for their uh, church came out of this and then mm. the the big criticism I've seen is mainly from um, like people of color the the section that I read but in terms of like the public itself the public received it really really well so until then I didn't really see any huge criticism until reaching that section mm-hmm. okay. um, but yeah I think have you mainly- have you experienced somebody knocking on your door um, like Mormon? No, I don't think they're as popular in Canada. Really? Have you? I actually have. On yeah. your door? But yeah. you live in an apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This happened back when I was in university, though. Oh. So I was living in this like student apartment building next to um, my university. And one day out of nowhere, I just had somebody knocking my door. And when I opened, there were like this dude who was just ready to talk to me about God. And I, I'm not religious, so yeah. disclaimer there. And I think people probably know this by now. But anyways, in case you're a new listener audience. In case this is your um, first episode. I am not really entitled to any religion right now. 
And I was just not really interested in having a conversation about God with this person because so clearly he was trying to push me into doing something that I'm not really interested in doing. Yeah, at first I thought it was interesting. Like, it's okay if you want to just talk about it, but versus if you want to convince me into something, I think that's different. So yeah, I had to like be like, yeah, it's really nice. It it was actually really late. It was like what, nine o'clock and like at night. So oh, wow. why would I do that mm-hmm. at this hour? People need to like, I were they know, Mormon or were they like stuff? just another person who was interested in talking to you about it? No, I think they're Mormon. Specific. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is entirely possible that somebody did knock on my door. I will not open my door unless I know who you are. So even if they wanted to knock on my door, that's their loss. But I have been approached several times in public about to talk about the religion and I would just hear them all the time actually yeah yeah I would just hear them out I take their business card or whatever I say yeah sure I'll come and then I never do so it just something that is interesting for me to hear if I have the time and I'm interested in killing it um why why won't I hear this this random stranger I've been approached at my university I've been approached at the Starbucks and like all these coffee shops but yeah, people are just like, oh, are you part of any organization? I was like, oh, no, I'm just like, uh, I have like some family, but I'm not doing anything myself. Oh, you totally should bring your family into this. But I don't know if any of them were specifically Mormon. Hmm. People just... Yeah. Because well, even it's, in the it's, show, it's nice of you to even just listen to them. Because usually I'm I just like, like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> interested. Bye. Really? I'm if, yeah. I'm if I'm out in public and I uh, I don't have anything better to do, I wouldn't mind just hearing people talk about it. Like, why not? But even in the Book of Mormon specifically, they said, oh, you know, those were Christian evangelical trying to, like, evangelize you. We are Mormon. We're different. So they have, like, different people who are trying to come and proselytize from, like, other religions, too. It's not just a Mormon thing, apparently. Mm. Interesting. But yeah. Uh, what were we talking about before going on for this tangent? I don't remember. I think we're talking about how the public, the public received it. Yes, um, the public received it yeah. well. Okay. <laughs> for the majority of the part. I think it's mainly a recent thing where you got to see a lot more of, uh, of sensitivities and people coming forward. Because honestly speaking, 2011 was a very different time. Like the Big Bang Theory reigned supreme. South Park was really big. Family Guy was really big. And uh, off-color humor wasn't anything that people really thought twice about necessarily, or at least not the general public. Now it's a very, very different environment. So that's probably why we see it cropping up more recently. But I'd be curious to see if, if people have different opinions about it, if people want to want to talk about why this musical is... Is problematic or whatever or why this musical is great and not problematic um from like an informed point of view would be totally into hearing it i really like the musical for like how much fun it makes about religion in a way but in a very sweet way so even people who are religious and people who are atheists like myself they can each find an endearing thing about the musical that they they somehow managed to strike the exact middle ground between non-religious folks and religious folks and find something that appeals to both of them which is such a difficult thing to do like you really have to applaud them just for that you know Mm -hmm. it's a little bit interesting to me because that's just always something that I've been thinking about like my dad is a Christian my mom is Buddhist and my dad in his earlier years he has never gone to church um and only until maybe about 
five or so something years ago he started to go to church with my grandma Hmm. and now all of a sudden out of nowhere he's not super religious I won't say but like he's a lot more religious than he used to and always there's a part of me that kind of just want to question the things that he's saying to me about whether or not like he actually disagrees like he actually agrees with like literally every single thing that he reads in the bible or something so for me to question your religion it's something that is common at least for me it's something that I had experience with and well, I have very minimum experience or knowledge about Mormons in their church. I think the fact that they kind of have to go through the whole, like, you know, maybe sometimes you need to do a little bit of lying. You need to kind of make things up in order to um, better fit, uh, fit people's need. Or you, there are sometimes when you want to abandon, but you still come back. Like, I think each of the two leads have really good arc that sort of like analyze different approach to religion. Mm-hmm. And to me, as somebody who has no religious ties or beliefs, it's just comforting to know that you don't actually need to be, you know, following every single rule, like absolutely all the time in order to hold on to some sort of like values or beliefs and to actually make a positive change for somebody else's life. So I think that's a beautiful message. It doesn't deny the value of religion in any way, in my opinion. I think it still says a lot about the power of religion that and what it can do for people. But at the same time, I don't think it is telling you that you absolutely have to do X, Y, Z in order to be a good religious um, follower or to be a good person in so-and-so's um, standard. You know, you can still do it your own way and still achieve the same thing and Ultimately, if you're doing good, then I think that's what matters. And at least that's the message or the thing that I got from the musical. And I think it's very relevant and comforting and very nice. So yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, I also think that this is the right approach for this. So they're very, very clear in my opinion that the way to appeal to people is by taking the idea from the religious stories, like the moral, approaching the whole situation as fairy tales. You know, there is a story behind everything to make it more engaging. And then there is one specific lesson that you need to learn from it. And this is the way that they are kind of like approaching religion throughout the musical. And I think this is probably the best way to derive in my opinion, the uh, the benefits of religion, that and also having the community sense around it, because I think community is something that is really strong around the musical. So both within the village itself, but also within the Mormon community and how mm-hmm. to approach community from a healthy mindset and from a mindset that is a little bit more problematic in what way you can bring people together and what kind of person or personality requires bringing people together. So mm-hmm. that is another aspect that I truly enjoyed about it. Now, I guess we get to talk about the songs too. So what do you think overall about the songs? I honestly think that they're great. Okay. I absolutely love the opening. I think it's such a good opening. Yes. Because it's just so, um, something that you would see in real life. So you would know where this is coming from. And I just thought it was such a cute way to introduce to the characters and to introduce us to the religion even. And you can honestly get and understand a lot from this one song. You get to see how religious they are, how um, good of a students or um, of a trainee, I guess, they are in this group. And just 
how much effort that they're trying to put in in order to meet so-and-so standard. So I absolutely love it. I think musically, it's also like very cheery and fun. And it's just really, really light and energetic. I love that. But my, I don't know if I have a favorite song from this musical, Mm -hmm. but I absolutely, really, really also like Hasadiga Ibowai. Ibowai, I think. Ibowai, there we go. Not just because it has a lot of similarities to Lion King. Uh Yes. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Uh, Also, I just feel like it's just such a good intro to um, like the the people, the culture, the situation, the society that they live in, like the life of the people, essentially. I think it just gives you that uplifting spirit, even though that the things that they are saying oh my god so shitty a lot of things are horrible horrible conditions and it's like really like a hell like life situation that they have to deal with every single day mm-hmm. but the fact that they're able to just like oh like fuck you or like whatever like to sing it in the in a way that make him feel a little bit happier or at least not in such a devastating way kind of like turn it off too to be honest is is just I feel like I'll listen to it whenever I'm having a bad day, honestly, and just sing along with it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have a lot, well, maybe not a lot more to say, but I absolutely think the music in this musical are really, really good. It's honestly, most of them are really good quality too. I in Africa from Act Two is also one of my favorites too. I think it's a really nice song. Um, Spooky Mormon House Drink is absolutely really visually pleasant to look at and it's really interesting song to listen to there's a tons of jokes and i love the fact that they have like a starbucks cup dancing in hell um did you catch that was that yeah. in your version yeah i absolutely love that it was just so funny and in my version one of the cup people actually fell down from the stage oh, no way. and he kept going it was just, it was like the most hilarious thing ever like the demons like beside him was trying to help him get up and the cup just keep on dancing it was just Aww. really really crazy I don't know uh, yeah there's a lot of songs in the musical that just sound really good and I think that they work really well um there's barely a song that just makes me go like oh that was really shitty where that doesn't fit in here um most of them are really nice we have a fair amount of solos from each person and they're all important solos that kind of come in at the right time for the right purpose so honestly I have a lot of praises to say about the music but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can go on and on but how about you if you had to pinpoint a song that you didn't like as much or you thought fit less Mm. there is one which one would it be that's see. I feel like okay so there are two that probably wouldn't like I wouldn't be too angry if they decide to leave out and one is I'm here for you because I kind of feel like it's kind of weird that they established this level of friendship already when they're you know about to have an argument and break it off eventually so I feel like I'm here for you kind of work and it makes sense if you're explaining in a way that okay you know maybe they're friends and then they go through this conflict and then they make up again so I can see it work um it's just if they decide to leave it out I don't think it's going to change the story a lot as well and the other song that I feel like isn't going to affect the story all that much but it's funny to have is um 
was it the Joseph Smith American Moses mm-hmm. yeah that one is interesting and is fun it's very messy though and very chaotic but at the same time again like they they can probably just verbally express what they've learned and the story will still carry on the same way so it's not like they've reached a level of emotional um expression that they have to express this through a song i can see that they can skip the song if they had to but at the same time it's just like a really funny number to have it there so i wouldn't mind it but at the same time it's not going to you know make the whole deal the difference for me okay that's fair yeah i also think that the musical works uh for the most part extremely well i really like the connection that you already mentioned you notice it with lion king i noticed it with sound of music and i believe when he essentially goes through the I Have Confidence song from yeah. within the sound of music and adapts it to I Believe. I love that moment specifically. I don't know if I have a favorite because there are a few that I like quite a bit and similar to the ones you mentioned, except for one that I have a different opinion about, which we'll talk about later. But I really liked Hello. I think that's the number that really became almost viral when the show came out. I believe that's the number they also performed at the Tonys when they when they uh, performed it. And it was very sensationalized. There were a lot of different parodies. I recall seeing a specifically very good Harry Potter purity for Hello. Very, very nice number. And I also really enjoy Turn It Off, I Believe, and um, Salt Lake City, which I thought was great. It's really mm-hmm. the one emotional number within the musical, the traditionally emotional number that you have from a musical. And I think that the fact that there's only one instance of it where it's mainly sold to you straight makes it stand apart. Uh, you mentioned that you liked I Am Africa. I didn't like that one as much. I wouldn't mind if they cut it. I also don't think it's as plot relevant. So this one I would potentially cut. And uh, that one I think was the the main number that I was iffy about that you had to sell it for me. So Pokemon Moon Hell Dream was an absolute riot. Love that one. Really, really funny. And making things up again is a good act two number to start with because of the echoing to act one that they had. So there are a lot of different clever ways to weave the music throughout that not only calls to a character trait, but also calls to different numbers within it. And I really enjoy that. So for that reason, I also really enjoyed I Am Here For You. Mm-hmm. Not only because they showcase their different, so I think like you and I are pretty much flipped in Africa and I'm here for you, like we would cut it, like the numbers that we each like, but in I am here for you, I like it because it shows the one side relationship that they have in which Elder Cunningham is very much like, oh, you know, I'm willing to be your friend. It shows that he's very socially awkward. He's willing to get attached to the first person who is kind of nice to him because everybody else has been running away from him for so long. I find that very relatable. So I like that. And also I like the echoing that Kevin or Elder Price or whatever has afterwards in act two because it showcased oh you know now it's more mutual now the relationship is on similar footing nobody has the upper hand nobody has the authority over anybody else so it's more of a genuine friendship and I thought it was really really sweet but uh, yeah the music music in general is very very well done very catchy and uh, it's kind of like a spearheader of its time because I would say modern Broadway musicals really start to 
um, ramp up in numbers and popularity with the advent of Avenue Q, but it got really, really popular because of Book of Mormon. So I guess you see that Robert Lopez has a very distinct style and it's working for him really well. But I don't think that if if uh, Book of Mormon wasn't here, it would be as popular as it is today. So I think that there is a lot of uh, a lot of roses you can give to this musical, music-wise. Okay, so your favorite, just so I'll get straight, was Hasidiga Evil Eye? Yeah. Okay. Wait, what's your favorite again? Hello. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. It's a really good opener. It's one of the best openers I think we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it opens up really strong. Yes. I love that. And I love that it closes with that too. Also because it's my favorite, but it's such an, I love when musicals do this, if they do it well, when they open with the same thing they close with, because it feels mm-hmm. like a finished stories. Like, you know how mm-hmm. in old Disney movies, they have like a book that opens and they have like once upon a time and then mm-hmm. the book closes and it has like the end in it. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives me that vibes in a very modern way. And I love when it happens. This reminds me of The Waitress because they technically also end with the same song that they open with, but yes. I feel like it didn't work as well as this one, though. Yeah, yeah. This one is is next level, I think, in the way that it works. Yeah, yeah for sure. Wait, have we talked about how you like the humor? Did you like the humor? I like mm, the humor is hit and miss for me. So I think I liked it a lot more before I became like conscious about these things. So when it was really popular in the zeitgeist in like 2012 or whatever, then I didn't really have any issue with humor. But seeing it again, also seeing it on stage, it feel it felt a little bit crass for my sensibilities. Not a whole lot. Like it's not like oh my god, I'm so scandalized. But it made me like it. I think a little bit less. Also, another issue that made it difficult for me was actually within the music and it's totally a a me thing but if songs that I not songs I like but musicals I really like and I find myself going back to again and again and again I have songs that I can sing by myself and the Mm -hmm. only song that fits the bill is Salt Lake City Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just one song so that it makes it a little bit more difficult to have as much of a staying power with it so that would be like my personal very very personal critique for this apart from the humor which was a hit or miss the time humor specific wise I felt like it went a little bit too far was Joseph Smith American Moses with the uh the get up that they had the costuming that they had I think that was probably the point I was most scandalized but even that wasn't too too major just like oh okay we're doing this (laughs) fine it wasn't too too major. what actually happened in the in the scene like I mean I I couldn't recall anything too weird were too really they were wearing a strap on and were like imitating having sex on stage that's not the first time you see people having sex on stage. No, but I think we even talked about it in our first episode with Waitress, where we both were actually a bit scandalized by that scene. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like recently I've seen like too many stuff that was trying to appear appropriate that maybe my taste has shifted a little bit to just be like oh fuck this like (laughs) I'm just gonna have a good time and not take anything too seriously and maybe that's why I don't it could also be because I was there yeah Yeah. that's true but it could also be because I was there with Emma and she's baby so it's not nice to see (laughs) to show this to your baby sister necessarily so that might be the reason why I felt a little bit more scandalized when I went to see it live Uh, okay but uh, yeah, it's nothing too, too major. It's really if I have to nitpick 
kids pick with the humor. It landed a little bit more when I was a teenager, I think, compared to now. Mm -hmm. But it's still very clever in certain places and it works well. Some of the more crass humors I could do without. It's minor. Should we go into our character quiz portion? Sure. Is there a character you're hoping to get? No. Mm. Is there a character you think you're most like? Not really, to be honest. Arnold, maybe? Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought if we had to characterize each other, I would definitely be your Arnold to to your Kevin. Not really. I feel like I'm more of the carefree type compared to you. Okay, that is the shock of my life to hear this. I feel like you're, you're so You're the more serious one, Becky. Since when? Excuse me. When I introduce you're myself, al- you're it's... always more serious. When I introduce myself, it's hi everyone. I'm Becky, and this is Claire. How's, this is already how's that going showing to the anything? differences in the seriousness level. Sure. You're not interested in our no, I'm not okay. interested. <laughs> okay. You want to introduce the, the, the quiz though? Uh, sure. So we are doing, actually, I already started, so I'm going to like open up. Again. Okay. I'll um, oh, yeah, okay. Which book of, which book of uh, Mormon character are you from youquiz.com? All right. So this is another generous user. We have been using youquiz a lot. I'm shocked, by the way, there wasn't like, a huge onslaught of character quizzes for this. I literally entered a bunch of links and all of them were actual like Book of Mormon stuff because they're called the same thing. So I saw like totally four names I did not know anything about after clicking through all of these and was like, oh, okay, you're about that. Pick another musical I like. The Prom, Hamilton, Falsettos, Dear Evan Hansen. We only covered half of these, actually. So, yeah. yeah. This is hard. I don't think I can say I like Hamilton, but technically I do like it better than Dear Evan Hansen. So I'm, that's the one I'm going with. There we go. Pick a sapphic couple. Are you familiar with any of these? Nope. Okay. So that'll be interesting for you. Katra slash Adora from She-Ra, Nico slash Carolina or Carolina from Runaways, Cora slash Asami from The Legend of Cora, and Emma slash Alyssa from The Prom. I watched both She-Ra and The Legend of Cora. I'm re-watching The Legend of Cora for like the fourth time with uh, with Emma. I already rewatched it once with my brother. So definitely very familiar with The Legend of Korra. I like Korasami, but literally they have zero screen time as a couple almost. Uh, if you want to see them as a couple, you'd probably have to go to the comics. Shira, I've already watched with my siblings as well. Never watched it though. And they have a very good arc for them as a couple. So I'm going to choose Catra slash Adora. I'm for you, I'm guessing it's going to be like... Randomly pick something. Exactly. <laughs> Since yeah. you haven't seen any of these. Um, Are, did you watch Nico then? The Last Airbender? Nope. Oh, okay. Okay. I watched, I think, two episodes and that was it. Okay, that's fair. So you're completely unfamiliar with the entire like Avatar world. Nope. I wonder if there is an Avatar musical. There is. And there is something that I was thinking about maybe covering way in the future because it's not even a concept album level but there is a really good like number of numbers that go into to connecting to like an avatar-esque musical um but it's nothing as realized as let's say the the unofficial Bridgerton musical we covered okay pick a Taylor Swift lyric 
I love you. Ain't that the worst thing you've ever heard? The night is sparkling. Don't you let it go. I'm wonderstruck, blushing all the way home. Time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. And baby, I got mystified by how the city screams your name. And baby, I'm so terrified of if you ever walk away. I'd never walk Cornelia Street again. I don't know any of these songs. Yeah, same. But based on the lyrics, maybe Time Won't Fly? The night is sparkling for me. Pick a band from my emo phase. I know none of these. Pierce the Veil, Sleeping with Sirens, Bring Me the Horizon of Mice and Men. I feel like this is so irrelevant because I don't know anything. (laughs) Um, Sleeping with Sirens. I think I might remember of Mice and Men. Is Mice and Men like the don't listen to the word I say, hey? No idea. Like You're asking a wrong person, probably. Okay. I'm going to go with them because I feel like I have heard the name before. <laughs> okay. Do you watch South Park? We both established that neither nope. of us do. Have you listened to Avenue Q? Yes, we have. Yes, and I love it. Yes, and it's okay. Yes, and I didn't like it. No. Yes, and it's okay. Really? Okay. Yes, <laughs> Why and it's okay. are you so surprised? Because I remember you giving it a very low score, but I guess it's because... We um, have covered a lot of musicals that are far worse than Avenue Q ever since. So not just say, maybe at the time I thought it was bad until I hit lower bars. So (laughs) (laughs) So in comparison, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I need to remind myself again, waitress, I give it a 6.5. So I understand (laughs) it being early on in our career and changing our mind. Exactly. Uh, very very true pick one of my favorite Marvel characters Bruce Banner slash the Hulk Kamala Khan slash Mrs. Marvel sorry Miss Marvel Billy Kaplan slash Wiccan Wade Wilson slash Deadpool fuck Miss Marvel really fucking hate the thing yeah oh I really enjoyed it I really really enjoyed it yeah I'm actually picking her (laughs) really okay why why didn't you like it why didn't I like her yeah I don't know. I think the whole show is just fucking stupid and ridiculous. Oh, okay. Then. That's my opinion, though. Okay, okay. Is this your, wor- your worst rated Marvel show then? I'm going to tell you the truth that the trailer is so bad that I didn't even bother to watch one episode. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Yes. Yes. This is called saving time and time management <laughs> because I honestly, speaking of, on the topic of Marvel, I'm refusing to spend any more of my time and money on things that are just not meeting my expectation. Like they've been really, really bad for maybe the past two years now. And okay. I'm just not going to waste any more time. Sorry. What brought this about? Like, is there a specific critical point that it hits you and you're like I'm refusing to do anything past that or just it accumulated and the thing that really definitely accumulated okay got it yeah I feel like there is not much better on the market for me right now so reluctantly I have to go for this but I agree phase four not very good so far disappointing yes disappointing but honestly would you be equally as gung-ho about it after the masterpiece that was like Endgame, because I feel like anything coming after this will be at least somewhat disappointing, you know. So that's why I feel they like they have I'm a lot them- of things in between already. Yeah, yeah. So you think it's enough time? You think you've given them enough time to like build yeah, themselves up? Yeah, they okay. have like what, like three? No, 
five movies or something mm-hmm. after and each and every one of them was now. disappointing well there are bad ones there worse ones but i don't think there were good ones mm-hmm. yeah okay. even the spider-man like the whole only reason why i enjoyed it was because i get to see like andrew garfield and like to- uh toby <laughs> mcguire and that's it do you not like tom holland as uh, spider-man I think his Spider-Man was okay. I'm not mm. particularly like a fan of his Spider-Man. I think it's a better Spider-Man movie than his previous two. But still, I think they definitely did some really questionable stuff there just because they want to promote like the next thing about mm. Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange, the second movie. And mm. even that movie itself was super disappointing because the whole thing just makes it feel like it's not really about Doctor Strange, it's about Wanda and this America girl. That's why I liked it. Because I wasn't a big fan of Doctor Strange as a superhero. And I, I hate it. I, and I hate, do like Wanda. I do like Wanda. I just don't feel like it was supposed to be about her, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's so much things that are just wrong about her character at this point that mm-hmm. I couldn't enjoy her anymore. And America, the whole point... I just couldn't see her being interesting or worth investing my time in, to be honest. She kind of just does nothing for the entire movie. And then in the end, she does this one punch and that was supposed to make things okay. I have no idea what happened to character development. Anyways, I have a lot of things to rant about Marvels, but anyway, my did point you watch is, the Thor? I'm not because I haven't watch. yet. I did. Was not it... recommended. Mm, okay. Yeah, will not, not recommend. It's like a fucking joke, really, at this point. Ooh, okay. Yeah, but this is coming from somebody who had like really (laughs) passionate expectation about Marvel movies before. Maybe that's why I'm like extra salty right now. But anyways, that's fair for sure. Okay, so who did you pick then? I picked, oh, uh, what did I pick? I think (laughs) I picked other Hulk or Deadpool probably. Okay. Yeah. Did he enjoy Deadpool too? Because I did not like that movie. I honestly can't remember what happened. Uh, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pick a gay movie. Imagine Me and You, Moonlight, Love, Simon, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. I've only seen one of them and that's Love, Simon. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Moonlight. Did he watch it? Is it good? Nope. Nope. <laughs> How good are you at hiding your emotion? I feel like you're so done, by the way. <laughs> um how good are you at hiding your emotions I think I'm great but I'm probably not oh god no I'm awful what emotions I try um why would I be hiding my emotion but I'm gonna be go with I try I guess oh god no I'm awful okay McPricely I'm gonna go Uh, with what that's that's a question mark so I think I think it's McPricely um and the options are McPricely and then the section the second one is what and obviously I'm gonna go with what yeah same who'd you get I got Arnold like I told you you're not an Arnold I'm sorry I am definitely an you are a Kevin okay let me go with my (laughs) description okay um you're pretty insecure but it's because you haven't found your perfect niche you're also pretty lovable and are only deserving of those who see that in you okay that's a very cute description I got Nabulongi you're the sweetest person ever you absolutely deserve the entire world nothing bad should ever happen to you ah that's short okay yeah I think was yours like a sentence and a half no, mine's are like two sentences. Okay, you got, because you're one of the two main characters, obviously <laughs> we guess. get an in-depth 
in-depth analysis of your character and what it means about you personally. <laughs> um okay so yeah with that being said we should go to our final rankings are you ready drumroll please um all right so i am going to give it hmm what should i give it for i'm going to sorry i already have a number in mind actually i'm going to give it eight out of 8.5 maybe out of 10 i don't know mordor fire Mm. there we go I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 Disney rides. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with that done, if you want to discuss anything related to the Book of Mormon with us, especially any of the hot topics where we discussed as well, and you want to give us some insight, we'll be super duper here, uh, glad to hear from you. If you want to discuss anything we previously covered, or you want to give us recommendations, especially if it's something like plays, which we never discussed ever in almost in a year and a half, I think, actually, of this podcast existing. Again, super duper happy if you give us any recommendations or you want to do any discussions. You can do all that and more through our social media. You can find us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And if you're not a social media person, neither are we. You can email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you have it in your big, ginormous, lovely heart to write us a review or give us a five-star rating, preferably, but any star rating, I suppose, on Spotify or wherever you're listening to us through, we would be super appreciative because it will help the algorithm boost us up and help grow the community. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening and bye. Bye.